Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to the ENC podcast. Thank you again for joining us for the continuation of our series, Conversations That Matter. Uh, my name is Shelby Robinson, and I am your host for this series. Um, joining me again this week is Carrie Lewis. Welcome back, Carrie. Hey, everyone. Uh, we are excited yet again for another, I'm sure, fantastic conversation um, with one of our guests for the Kaufman Initiative, the fall series that our office is doing this semester. Um, so our guest this week is none other than Carlos Whitaker. Carlos, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, guys. So much for having me. Absolutely. So for those who maybe haven't um, interacted with you much on social media or um, know much about you, could you just give us a brief um, just intro to who you are? Absolutely. I am a uh, I'm a dad and a husband that lives in Nashville, Tennessee with his wife, three kids, one dog, a couple chickens. Uh, cat, you know, and I guess for a job, it depends. Like I've I've got a complicated job. When people ask me what I do, if I'm on an airplane next to them, I tell them that I'm a hope dealer, uh, hope dealer, just so that that kind of covers all my bases. But most of the time, I'm writing books, uh, telling stories, um, and I talk about my books on stages, or at least I used to before COVID. Um, but, uh, as much as I can, mostly on Instagram now is where I'm trying to kind of share good news on a daily basis. Yeah. If you, if you're not following Carlos, you should, it's at Los Wit on Instagram and you are radically transparent, I think with your journey, whether it be following around a giant fly in your house, trying to catch it or talking about yeah. your daughter's, your daughter dating, uh, your journey testing positive for COVID or even more serious issues like the upcoming election, and racial injustice um, and racial reconciliation. So how did that start? How did you start or decide or, or what was the journey like becoming so open and transparent? Yeah, I love that question. That's a great question. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a few years older than you guys and I started, but I was, I was really early adapter when it came to uh, like just online. I was blogging back when think when blogs were a thing. And, uh, I, so, I mean, I, I think I started my first blog in 2007 and, and I just remember every day I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. I'm like spilling my, my heart's cries on the internet for anyone in the world to see. And it was like, it was a, uh, what was it? A Zanga blog or something like that. And I started getting a readership on there and people were reading and I was like, this is cool. This was before social media, but I realized more and more that that when I would share the hard things, I would just see in the comment sections how appreciative people were that I was being authentic and that I was sharing hard things. And um, the more the hard things I shared, the more comments I would get from people saying thanking me for sharing the hard things. And then I thought, I just don't know if people in my circle, if pastors, if um, are are sharing this kind of stuff. I, I actually they weren't like, and so. I, I kind of became known as like the authentic, this authentic blogger guy. And then YouTube came around and we started vlogging. We added a V to the blog and, um, you know, started sharing my life journey on there, uh, with my family's journey. This is when my kids were like nine, 10, 11 years old. Um, and then obviously socials kind of social media came up and, um, I've just haven't stopped. And I just feel like people are going to have their lives changed way more often by somebody sharing their authentic story than listening to a sermon. Uh, and so th this is kind of why I do what I do. And I, you know, I, I love it. Like, and you're right. Like I, I share everything, the good and the bad um, and everything in between. So 
this month on campus, we've been focusing on mental health awareness. And actually in chapel today, we just had two students very vulnerably share their journey through anxiety and stress and depression. And I, I completely agree. Like that's what's connecting with our students. We had better chapel interaction from that chapel from than any sermon that's happened this semester. Absolutely. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with that and thinking of social media and our consumption of stories, like since that's a big part of your job and who you are on social media, like how do you kind of draw boundaries or, or fight, have a healthy relationship yourself with social media and the 24 hour news cycle and all that's online? Yeah, no, it's, it's so important, especially because, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> COVID cough. Um, for, for those listening, you can't catch COVID over, podcast but yeah, i do have it right now we'll talk about that in a little bit but i um you know i've in studying for my most recent book enter wild there's a section in my book called enter rest it's the first section and in studying for that I, I came across all this data on just how we are over consuming um news over not just bad news but good news too and i, I try to tell people that it's not just it's not just the consumption of bad news that is detrimental to our mental health. It's the just consumption of stories in general. We were not created to consume the amount of stories that we're consuming. And so I was doing research on my latest book and realized that the amount of content that we consume the first 15 minutes we wake up in the morning. Okay. So what we do is what we, we use our phones as alarm clocks. And then when we we grab our phone, we turn the alarm off, and then we just start swiping all the notifications. And it studies show that in the first 15 minutes we're awake, before we even put our feet on the floor, we consume as much content in 15 minutes as our great-grandparents. So maybe for you it would be your great-great-grandparents, but our great-grandparents would consume in a month. In 30 days, we consume in 15 minutes. And when I read that statistic, it shocked me. And I like, I mean, almost to the point of like, like, okay, this is why we have such a pandemic of mental health crisis. This is why so many people are struggling with anxiety, depression, all these things, because we just weren't created to consume the amount of content we're consuming. So what do I do? What do you do? Well, you know, I now have a, an actual alarm clock next to my bed. For those of you, maybe students that are listening, an alarm clock is an actual uh, device that you plug into your wall that all it does is wake you up that's 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 its whole job or to tell you time when my alarm clock wakes me up i don't pick it up and look at it and, and touch it and do all these things no like it just wakes me up uh, i keep my phone in the kitchen when i am um uh, sleeping so it's not in my bedroom with me that in and of itself helps so much and then i also do things like i um, i delete instagram uh, every single day and i reinstall it at noon and then i delete it at one and then i reinstall it at seven and i delete it at eight and so Although it may look like I'm on Instagram 24 seven because I've got like 4,000 little dots on my story, I'm uploading all those dots from seven to eight. And I may be record, I'm still, I still have my phone. I'm still recording my day throughout the whole day. I'm just not consuming. I'm just not consuming. And so I just think it's really important that we're really smart about how much information we're consuming because I just don't think we were created uh, to consume the amount of content we're consuming. Yeah, I feel like that's a good thing for us to hear, too. I know a lot of students are talking about the um, documentary on Netflix, The Social Dilemma. And we I don't know yeah. if you've ever seen that yet, but 
I have a couple of friends that I've are like it, yeah. ready to throw their phones and laptops out windows and yeah. all that. But I feel like what you just shared totally. is a great, great way to set those boundaries, but still um, engage in healthy ways with, you know, the community. Yeah. We're in. So I love that. Absolutely. Thanks Shelby. Yeah. I read enter wild this summer. Um, do you want to share a bit about what it means to kind of enter wild and like the John 10, 10 and kind of yeah. where it came from? Absolutely. So enter wild. Um, why, you know, I know a lot of people that don't, and the last thing they really want to do is have anything wild in their life. So why would I be calling people to be wild? And, you know, I just think that in 2020, um, if there's ever been a year that has pressed Christians into a corner of fear and isolation and just wanting to be timid and mild and waiting for the year to blow, blow over. I just, I, I just think that that's the wrong, the wrong take on what this year is. You know, this year, I mean, gosh, from, <coughs> excuse me, the Australian bush wildfires that killed over a billion, you know, animals that was 2020. Like that feels like it was 2015. We don't even remember that that was this year, you know, Kobe Bryant tragically passing away, obviously a global pandemic. Saharan dust storms, murder hornets, you know, Flint has no clean water. Chadwick Boseman tragically passes away. We've got an election that makes us want to hate our family members. Like it just doesn't end. And so enter wild. I, I for me, it's become a, it wasn't written this way, but it's, I think it's become this. It's become a challenge and a call to other Christians to leave mild and actually step out into the chaos that is 2020 and be the hands and feet of Jesus. John 10, 10. Uh, is what the book is based on. And, you know, so John 10, 10 says, a thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. I've come, they may have life and have it to the full. I feel like a lot of Christians redefine that verse as a thief comes to bother, irritate and annoy you. And I have come that they may have life and have it to 60%. And so I, I just feel like we've gotten so comfortable in our faith. And we think that our, our role is to become a Christian and maybe wait for heaven, as opposed to becoming a Christian and bringing heaven. Like, like we have access to the power and the resurrection of, of Jesus. Like we've that same access, we, that power is in us. And so I just feel like we're being lazy in 2020. And I feel like when you look at the life of Jesus and you look at how he ministered, there was nothing mild about how he ministered. It was wild. It was um, intense. It was loud. Um, and it was all the things that I think we're scared of. And I just, uh, you know, the, the middle section of the book is kind of my, journey uh in my my kind of health anxiety and ang a lot of anxiousness that i was having um and so i take people in the enter war section which is the middle section through my journey what it looked like and hopefully helping people um get out of places of anxiety and depression that maybe they find themselves in as well so uh so yeah the book i, I think it's a um, it's a charge to christians in 2020 to leave mild and to enter wild and that first section even on entering rest and i i think in in covid time we mistake like that we are home a lot or we can't do the things we used to do. We must take that for rest and kind of right. confuse like disengagement for being rest. Um, so for, I'm thinking of at, at college too, like what does it yeah. look like for a student to enter rest? Yeah. So enter rest, you know, again, I, I love how you describe that. I think a lot of people think of rest as like, Oh, I'm going to watch Netflix and I'm going to veg like vegging isn't resting. The whole purpose of rest is not so you can relax and lower your blood pressure, although that may be like a fringe benefit of entering rest. The main goal of entering rest is to hear the voice of God. 
So that is that. That's what what I talk about in enter rest. The resting isn't just to relax; it's to hear the voice of God. So, if that's the goal, then what do you have to do? So, as a college student, uh, what I've realized is um, I've got to lower the volume of life so that the volume of God goes up. Okay. So, what does that look like for a college student? Like, like what can you do very specifically this week to lower the volume of life? Because if you're a college student, that's that's let's say something like. Carlos, I've never really heard the voice of God. Like, what, what does that sound like? Like, how do you do that? I would say step one is, is to enter rest, lower the volume of life, get very specific and strategic with how much content you're consuming. Um, once you start to lower the volume of life, uh, honestly, it's just the voice of God begins to explode. And, you know, in the, in the section, I, I get really specific as to, you know, uh, some daily prayer rituals that I use, um, some ways that, that I pray very specifically in order to, get very specific with God. I think that um, we sometimes want to say that God is a very, you know, we, we pray very vague prayers because I think a lot of times we're scared that if we ask God something specifically and he doesn't answer us, then we have a crisis of faith. And I'm just here to tell you, um, try, just try it. Test me like one week, get specific, start getting specific with God, ask him very specific questions and hit me up low sweat, DM me, on Instagram, if you don't hear anything, every single week I, I I'm talking with people on Instagram. And I'm like, give it, give it one week. Start getting specific with God. And it's been a hundred out of a hundred people come back and go, their minds are blown how specific God is back to them. So the whole point of entering rest is to hear the voice of God so that you can in turn um enter wild. So I guess one thing mm-hmm. I keep thinking about is and Carrie and I have spoken about this several times about just like the level of almost like disengagement on campus. Um, so we, we are, I don't know if we even mentioned this to you, but students are on campus, like doing classes in person, um, all of, all of that, despite, um, everything yeah. of it. Um, but we are seeing like such drastic, like decreases in even card swipes in and out of buildings and, wow. um, that kind of thing. And so I don't even know how to build a question off of that, but it kind of goes hand in hand with what you're saying. Like, that rest isn't just that vegging out on Netflix or whatever. Like how, how do we, right. even for maybe the faculty and staff on campus, how can we come alongside students uh, to help lower that volume? Um, yeah. Life. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, I, I think, I think a lot of that is also probably, I mean, if, to be fair, you know, there's just a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear of gathering. There's a lot of fear of, of, well, you know, I mean, I, I'll be at school, but if I can, if I just stay in my dorm or if I stay in the apartment, then there's going to be less of a chance of me getting sick. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, um, again, as, as faculty and as staff, um, really, really teaching the students to pray the promises. That's, that's a big part of my book, um, to pray the promise instead of the problems, to, to not necessarily focus all on fear, but instead focus um, on God's truths and the promises of of his healing and of the eradication of coronavirus and of all these things that I honestly believe is coming. Um, and the again, the more, more people pray the, the promise, um, I, I think the less problems they're going to start seeing in their lives, mostly maybe 50% because they're not staring at the problems anymore. They're, they're not, they're not staring at, um, at like all the problems that they're having. And they're, they're literally now focusing on the truths of God's word. And I'm telling you, if there's anything that could help you, that's going to be it totally makes sense i think to another and this kind of changes gears a little bit i guess but um you've mentioned even just um health related anxiety that you've had in the past and have entered 
what has that looked like for you now coming into uh, this season where you have tested positive for COVID? Like how has that, um, how have you handled that? I guess. Yeah. You know, I, I used to struggle massively with health anxiety and uh, for years and years, I mean, that was my, my main crux of anxiety. You know, I'll say uh, in the middle section of my book, I um, go through, it's a part called enter war. And I go through this inner healing um, session with a man named John. Uh, and I spent a lot of time with John uh, working through my health anxiety, working through anxiety. And I would say that forgiveness was one key that I didn't know was, was going to unlock uh, my freedom from anxiety. I had no idea that it actually had to do with, with unforgiveness. And not that everybody's anxiety has to do with unforgiveness or health anxiety, but it did for me. And so when I resolved a lot of that, then um, I started to feel uh, that health anxiety go away. And then I, I you know, inner healing is a, is a process that um, it's not just one and done. This is something that you have to continue to do. And so as I've continued to do it, I found more and more freedom. Again, as I prayed the promises of God over my life, I am the body of Christ. Satan has no power over me. I command every sickness, disease, germ, and virus in my body to die in the name of Jesus. All of these things I'm doing on a daily basis. And all of those things really help when it comes to not fearing, you know? And and I think that health anxiety really isn't, I think it could be better described as more fear of death. I mean, that that's really at the end of the day, why people are scared of their health because they're scared to die. And, you know, we're all going to die. Everyone listening to this podcast, you're all going to die. And you know, I hate to give you to be the bearer of bad news, but, you know, I think once, once I was able to be freed from that, the fear of death, um, realizing that death has no sting and gosh, man, I'm telling you what, it just, it changed everything for me when it came to my health anxiety. So, well, one of the, um, inner healing kind of practices that I use is called heart sync and heart sync. I think it's S Y N C there's different practitioners around the country that do it, but that's really the. Um, that's really the version of inner healing that helped me find freedom for my health anxiety. I think um, since COVID started, you know, we all feel kind of isolated, but now testing positive, you're in a different form of isolation like that. And and what day are you on in your COVID camp? Yeah, I'm on, I'm in the COVID camper. I thank God I asked on Instagram if anyone in Nashville had an extra camper fifth wheel and sure enough, somebody calls me. I know someone came over and, I was so trapped. Like if I would have been in day five in my bedroom, in my house, not being able to leave the bedroom, I w- it would have been a lot worse for my mental health. But I got this trailer. I'm in the driveway. Um, I'm on day five. I've got 10 days of isolation. I, You know, it's funny. I was talking about this on my Insta stories last night. I, um, I actually haven't touched another human being in five days now. And for me, when I was saying that, I was like, I was like, man, this is crazy. This may be the longest I've ever gone in my entire life without touching another human being. Oh my gosh. But then the onslaught of all my single followers came on in my DMs and just my heart was broken. Some of these people haven't actually touched another human in months, five months, six months, you know, they live alone. And so, you know, I suddenly just start, uh, I'm a, you know, empathy is one of my uh, stronger gifts. And I just started feeling for all these people that haven't, you know, um, touched anyone. And so for me, you know, I feel pretty blessed. My, um, um, my symptoms haven't been super bad. They've been bad enough to where it's been miserable, but I'm not in the hospital. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a podcast with you. Like, I'm, you know, a lot of people that I know that have gotten this, like, can't even like open their eyes. Like they're just so exhausted. So, you know, I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot about, you know, I'm thinking a lot about my single friends. I'm thinking a lot about, 
um, you know, elderly that are in retirement communities that haven't been able to touch anyone for a long time. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really learning a lot through this and I'm asking Holy Spirit to reveal to me other ways that I can continue to, um, to feel for other people that are out here. You know, this is a very complicated uh, disease. It's not, um, it's still new. They don't, we don't know a lot about it. Um, and, um, I'm trying to, and it's all in my highlights on my Instagram, but I'm trying to be as vulnerable and as possible to, to like normalize COVID. Like I, I honestly believe that in the next two years, everybody's going to end up getting it at some point. And so you can come back to Carlos's when you get it and be like, okay, he was fine. You don't have to freak out. Yes. It's scary, but, um, but I'm going to be okay. You know? And so I, you know, that, that's another reason why, again, I'm, I try to be super authentic online is I just try to give people a, a real person point of view on whatever situation we find ourselves in. And we are recording um, not even a whole week before the presidential election. We're a couple of yeah. days away when we're recording this. Um, and I'm, I'm just wondering, like, what do you hope to see from the Christian community when we get to a week from today, uh, when we get to the Wednesday after Election Day? What, yeah, do, you, that, what do you believe we could be? I hope we I would be. love to I would love to see the opposite of what we've been seeing the last four years. Um, I would love to see. Um, and, and honestly, I feel like we're getting there. Honestly, I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit of hope from both sides of the aisle that everybody is just exhausted. Everyone is just so exhausted of the rhetoric and the hate and the uh, and not liking each other and and, you know, not liking family members that are voting differently than you. I just feel like we're all done. Like everyone's just done. Like, can we just go to baseball games again and, you know, and root for the same team? And um, I just think we're exhausted. So there's a hope in me that, um, that everyone else is exhausted by that too. Um, and I, and I hope that, that we see no matter who wins the election, I hope that we see a return of some sort of decency in Christendom, some sort of, um, of the, churches, um, loving the unlovable, uh, caring for the orphans and widows, all of the things that scripture tells us we should be doing. Um, I, and I, and I got, a, I got a strong feeling that, um, um, that, that may be the case that we may. So I, again, I've got a little bit of hope. I feel like it's coming. Yeah. On our campus, um, we actually are one of the most diverse Christian colleges in the country. Um, so this has been a really interesting season for our campus. Um, as a, a group of people, we're a diverse community, but that doesn't always mean that we really are intercultural um, sure. or that people can fully be themselves and bring their whole self into the community here. Um, so thinking of our, our campus, which is incredibly diverse, um, how do you see, again, the Christian community? What can we do in this time of like racial unrest? We're trying to bring about race, racial reconciliation. Um, how can our campus, you know, kind of set an example for the community or what can we be doing to, to really glorify God and bring people together? I love that. I I think just if any Christian that is super proactive right now with um, having conversations with people that believe differently than they do is going to be, um, I'm telling you, that's going to be the special sauce. You know, I had a, I had a video go viral with, with this, this man across the street for me who I thought was a, was a Republican conservative black man hating neighbor uh come to find out he was a complete opposite i mean i don't know he may be a, a conservative i don't know any of that but i know that he he didn't hate me but i i i assumed he did but when i walked across the street i knew again you can watch this on my instagram but 
when I walked across the street to, to confront him about something, um, that's when we became really close friends. And I just feel like there's, there's so many Christians that look, we can look and we can assume things about other people because of maybe their, their political or faith background, whatever it may be. And, uh, and we're missing out on massive opportunities. So I think very specifically, I would say even in the day, I don't know when this podcast is going to release, but if it releases before, if you can find like five people that you, um, that, you know, believe differently than you do, go up to them and have a conversation, not even about what they believe, just about life, just love on them. Um, you know, I, I think that's where we're missing out on it. Everyone thinks, oh, well, I've got to have a conversation with someone that believes differently politically. I'm like, no, don't talk. No one wants to talk about politics right now. We've, everyone's tired of talking about politics. Like they want to talk about, you know, your dog, like talk about something, um, something that has nothing to do with politics and allow that to be a reminder to not only you, but the people watching that happening, that, um, we were created for this. We were created for community. Um, I think that conversations will change communities. And so I would say, I would call out to your, um, school to be very proactive in making sure that you're shoring up relationships with people that, um, believe differently than you do. We're really missing that ability to have conversations and try and not out of trying to convert somebody to a particular belief either, but just to have a conversation. Like I read this study that said when you confront information different from what you believe, it actually triggers your fight or flight response, which is why you just suddenly get so angry or so heated that you can't even control it. Yes. Uh, So how do we teach ourselves to kind of quiet that response and just stay in the moment um, I love that. have that conversation. I love hearing that too. Cause I think it's, it's so cool to see how this uh, series has even come to be with this uh, conversations that matter podcast series, because so many of our speakers have kind of come back or at least hinted to this idea of proximity and how proximity changes things. And even with the story you just told about your neighbor, it wasn't until you had that close proximity and had conversation yeah. with the neighbor until like you came to that realization that, Oh, maybe they're not quite yeah. who I thought they were. And so I think that's yep. even you know more important now with COVID, with social distancing, all of that, when we're uh, trying to stay far away from people and in, in some ways yeah. uh, to still gain that proximity. Um, in, yes, in the that's other so way. good. I love that. Yeah. Carlos, do you have anything that you would just want to, to put out there or any thoughts um, that maybe you had that you wanted to share with our community? Gosh, you know, I just, um, I love that you guys are even having these conversations. I, I feel like, you know, it's really important um, for any student that's out there. I, again, I, I just, I'm excited about uh, the potential for the leadership that, that I see coming up behind me. And man, I'm ready. I'm ready for somebody that's 23 years old to lead me. I'm done. Like I'm ready to clock out. Like I'm ready for the next generation to rise up. And, and I, and I, yeah, that generation's my, my kids, you know, like I got an 18 year old freshman college uh, daughter and I believe in her generation and I believe in, um, in what's happening. So um, don't feel like you got to wait until you're 75 years old to, to lead on these things, you know, really go after it now, start changing things now. Um, the ball's in your court. And I, I believe that I believe in you guys. So if you haven't already followed Carlos on Instagram, you've got to check out his Instagram stories at, at Loswit. Uh, you got to watch his COVID camper. You got to check out the yeah. conversation with the neighbor. Uh, you definitely need to pick up Enter Wild. Um, 
that was such a challenging book for me and the section on forgiveness um, it's a game changer for me got to get to the end to the safari story and the video yes. also on Instagram um, it really has been a game changer for me so thank you and you oh, all should go pick it up you. this podcast series is sponsored by the Kaufman Initiative the Kaufman Initiative is an endeavor sponsored by Eastern Nazarene College, supported and funded by the Kaufman family. The goal of the Kaufman Initiative is to reinvigorate Christian witness in America and has three aspects. The vision is to allow the ENC and local community to hear and be impacted by stories and practical wisdom of how to be faithfully Christian, both inside and outside of the workplace. The Kaufman Initiative for the Renewal of Christian Witness exists to inform and inspire our community students, faculty, staff, local pastors and churches, and the broader Christian population to embark on a lifetime of fruitful witness and enhance the impact of ENC's mission, both on campus and by extension into the world through her alumni for decades to come.